This is sort of a little dialect that's unique to Christian circles. I think that's kind of what we mean by it. And I think generally when we hear it, it's often used in a negative term. So I don't know about you all, but when I hear someone say, oh, they're speaking Christianese, it's not a compliment. It tends to be a negative thing. And so that's one of the reasons maybe why we're talking about it today. Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us, and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Hey, thanks for joining us again at Patterns of Truth. I'm Peter, and joining me today, Roy, Michael, Krista, and Luke. We're happy to discuss a new topic, an interesting topic today. The topic for today is Christianese, or Christian terminology, Christian language. What is it first, right? Should we use it? And if we should use it or we should not, and where should we use it? So let's start with definition, if we can. Now, what is Christianese? Anybody can help me. There are a lot of peculiar phrases that we as Christians are used to using. And I suppose you could say any peculiar phrase that's not used in the general public that we use to define or describe particular beliefs or particular practices within the Christian community could fall into that category. This is Luke, Luke Herman, and um, that ease at the end makes it seem like it's a language. It's a distinct language that a group of people share in common, and we use it to communicate with one another. And so it's not just the words themselves that are said, but those words carry meaning beyond just their literal meaning. They carry with it a feeling of belonging to a larger group. And so when we say Christianese, it's as if, even though we're speaking all the same language, everyone's speaking English, this is sort of a little dialect that's unique to Christian circles. I think that's kind of what we mean by it. And I think generally when we hear it, it's often used in a negative term. So I don't know about you all, but when I hear someone say, oh, they're speaking Christianese, it's not a compliment. It tends to be a negative thing. And so that's one of the reasons maybe why we're talking about it today. I would second this. Uh, in my discussion, Christianese was more of separation from other groups of people. Yeah. So is it negative or not? I don't know. Yeah, Michael here. This is uh, basically, uh, to me, it seems just like Christianese is basically any word that we use in Christian circles that is not commonly known outside of those circles. And uh, I think we were talking here before the podcast and that was mentioned that there are certain words and phrases that we ought to use, but we should probably explain it, you know, just so we're not <laughs> putting everybody in the place of that Ethiopian eunuch going, okay, so what does this mean? Hmm. Right. So we have these words and phrases, I think, that we can see as open doors to explain things about God. Uh, this is Roy again. I think we do need to be careful. There are some phrases that are used commonly in some circles of Christianity, which we really should not use. Uh, they're not scriptural. Like some examples. I was thinking maybe of something like slain in the spirit. I'm not even sure I know what that means. But it doesn't sound very scriptural to me. 
Yeah, I do, I do believe that what we find, if you go out and Google Christianese, you'll come up with a list of phrases and list of words that are sort of unique to the Christian experience. And some of them, as we were talking a little bit before the podcast, some of them come out of biblical language. And sometimes it comes from maybe specific translations of the Bible. And uh, so some, sometimes that can affect it. Some of it comes from more cultural references, like it might be a particular Christian song and a phrase just kind of really catches on or a pattern of speaking really catches on. And that can become almost this element of Christianese. I'm thinking of that common thing that people do where they say, God is good all the time. And if you know how to finish that sentence, then that says something about who grew up, right? And I'm sure some of the listeners here are saying, oh, okay, fine. But how does that end? Do you know, Peter? And all the time, God is good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, that's not quoting a Bible verse, but it's just, it's actually anchored to a very specific cultural moment. Just like a phrase like, let go and let God. Who knows who says it first? but it kind of takes on bumper sticker, you know, quality. And so even though there is biblical truth and spiritual truth there, more is happening than just the spreading of meaning. Now, I looked around a little bit, and it turns out that there are certain branches within Christianity that end up relying more on some of these phrases. And I think, you know, we mentioned being slain in the Spirit. And in general, the Pentecostal tradition does have a lot more of those phrases that are recognizable. And so they're sort of used to create this sense of community. I think of a word like anointing or favor. You know, when I'm around people, I'm like, oh, that, that person's really got the anointing. It's like, oh, okay, I know where that person goes to church now. So there's these little signs that we show. Oh, this is, I'm showing something about my identity. And sometimes that I'm just showing I'm a Christian, but then sometimes I'm also displaying, it's more than that, I'm a specific maybe kind of Christian. So I guess I'm still confused. Should we use it or not? Uh, is it harmful to have Christianese around people who are not Christian? What about a phrase that's common in the culture, but which I don't think is scriptural? God helps those who help themselves. I'm not sure that's true at all, mm. but it's commonly used in the culture. Maybe that's an opportunity to interject some real Christian truth if a person says something like that. Okay. Yeah, and I think that even that might even be going beyond Christianese. That's almost Americanese. That particular phrase is used more in a secular context, at least the way I've heard it, than even in a Christian context. But there's, there's other types of ways of talking, ways of speaking that do tend to establish a sense of belonging. And so in a way, it forms community, which that seems like a healthy thing. But just like we were saying, sometimes when in order to form a community, I build walls and kind of firm up those borders and walls. And I want to make sure who's in and who's out, you know, take a different example. If I said live long and prosper, I just made a connection with someone. I'm, the, I'm not just telling you live long and prosper. What am I doing? I'm saying I'm a Trekkie. Are you? And so what that does, it creates a sense of community, but at the same time, for those who don't get it, they're now outside of that fence. Hmm. And I think as believers, rather than being fence builders, we should be bridge builders when possible. And so part of that bridge building is sort of crafting our speech in a way that makes connection rather than 
establishing division? So two things I hear. Uh, one of them is that some Christian terminology or Christianese is inaccurate, has wrong doctrine that we should omit and not use. Uh, the other thing is it does exclude people. So as Christian, we should be includers, not excluders of other people. So we have to be careful where to use them and what to use them. But sometimes they are good doctrine, like saying born again is the fundamental of Christian doctrine. What do you think? Should we use it around Christian circles? Well, I think sometimes it can distinguish the difference between a churchgoer and a born, you know, born again believer. So many people put themselves under the Christian category but they're, they don't have any relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that terminology can distinguish the difference, in, you know, at least to me. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's an interesting phrase uh, that used to be thrown around quite a lot. I'm not sure it's been a couple of decades ago that it was really popular in the culture, but I haven't heard it used very much. But that's a really good phrase, biblical, that conveys something really important but it needs to be explained. I would say that if you find yourself in a situation where that seems to be the right thing to say, then a couple of sentences of explanation, especially if you're talking to those who are, you're witnessing to in an evangelical circumstance or apologetic circumstance, a couple of sentences of explanation would be needed. Yeah, and actually the phrase was originally uttered by the Lord Jesus himself. And so it's an interesting scene. You know, why did he say that? He was speaking to someone, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, someone steeped in the Bible, but he didn't quote a verse from the Bible to teach him about the gospel. He just gave him this very unusual phrase. He, he was creative in his expression, to almost causing Nicodemus to, say, to talk, stop and say, what? And I want to hear more because that doesn't make sense. So sometimes I think in order to reach someone, it does require some sense of busting people out of their preconceived notions. If a phrase becomes cliched and begins to lose its power, and I think, you know, going back to what Roy was saying, born again is almost thrown around as an insult these days. Oh, he's one of those born again people. They're not really thinking what does it mean to be born again? They're just, it's become a label. And so sometimes we need to get creative in the way we explain the gospel, right? Not creative in our doctrine, right? Not thinking new things, but new ways of expressing something to encourage people to say, maybe I don't know it all. Maybe I don't really know what this means. But if I'm just always using the same terminology, are you saved? Did you ask Jesus into your heart? Are you born again? I might not be maybe leading the person to creatively and critically think about their situation. That's one way of thinking about it. And, and so everything hinges on the audience. I think it's important anytime we're speaking, whether we're speaking to one person or 20 in a room or, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands on the Internet, it's a good idea to know our audience so that we can speak with intention and with t intentionality. And it's good for us to know that certain phrases might be alienating. Like if we just use words that might mean something to us, like a phrase, receive Jesus into your heart. This is a phrase that means a lot to me. But if you try to picture it, it's like, what does that mean? 
And so there may be more effective ways of speaking that cause people to really take notice. I think we can take an example from uh, the Lord Jesus when he was speaking there in John chapter three. That's where this all comes from. We're all familiar with John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, right? And this is the whole explanation of what born again is. Nicodemus in verse three, how can a man be born when he is old? So Lord knew who Nicodemus was and he spoke to him and led him with examples that he might be able to understand. So it it just seems like when he says born again, this is a way for him to explain the regeneration or the rebirth or the renewing or the, you know, a totally different change that happens in, in one's heart. So yeah, that's, that's good. When Christianese, all of these words and phrases that we use, I think a good question of follow-up after we ask, what is it is uh, when and where should we use it? And I think we did touch a little bit on that. You know, you might be able to use some phrases, uh, I think, as, as open doors to explain uh, the gospel or to other believers on how to grow their faith. So definitely know your audience. And I think it shows a sense of maturity, right? So a mature Christian would know how to, uh, is aware of his audience, aware of the other person in front of him, and know how to manage the discussion or the, the speech with this person that it draws connection or has more of a valued discussion instead of uh, causing separation or they feel excluded from the discussion. I, I like that idea of maturity because sometimes it might feel almost the opposite. We might think that the more mature we get in our Christianity, the more ability we'll have to speak in complicated and esoteric and kind of mysterious high language. But if you think about the Lord Jesus again, he's someone who he knew it all. I mean, he could speak in the most fluid, academic, whatever type of language. But instead of that, he spoke in a way that fishermen could understand. He could speak in a way that a Pharisee could understand. He could speak in a way that a Syrophoenician woman would understand. Or Pilate, right? He says he's sitting there with Pilate and he's able to talk to Pilate. He mentions truth because he knows right what Pilate is thinking. And the Apostle Paul is another one who was able to say something like, I have become all things to all men that I might win some. And so as we grow in our faith, this is where we can really learn to speak the language of the world, but the content is spiritual. In other words, to convey spiritual truths, but in a way that is going to be heard, not just bouncing off of deaf ears. The examples we've been looking at most of them, or a lot of them, come from John's gospel. And I think it's remarkable that John's gospel is, I think, without doubt, one of the most profound books in the Bible, the New Testament. And yet, at the same time, structurally and vocabulary-wise, it's one of the simplest. So, saying what is really significant is not the same as saying something that's very complicated that nobody can understand. Yeah, I was recently listening in on a conference, one of these Zoom conferences where you have hundreds of people on, and when some talk, you know, there's, there's pretty fancy words in there, and sometimes it's easy to be lost, to feel lost. And when you feel lost, what does that convey to you? Well, I don't get it. This isn't for me. And so we don't have to speak in that complicated way in order to speak complicated truths. Because let's not kid ourselves. I mean, the, the gospel, the Bible, it is powerful. Some of it difficult stuff. Peter was able to say of Paul, he's writing some things that are hard to understand. But we can do our best. I think our part is to speak in such a way that others can hear. 
and not just hear, but also understand. Well, this is a perfect way to end this discussion. I think uh, we had uh, a lot of great points here. Christianese, how to use it, where we should not use it. Uh, thank you all for joining us. And thank you for the audience too, for listening. And we wait for you to listen again uh, at the next episode. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.